Hi, everybody. So two things happened this week that Katie and I wanted to address. First, we lost an amazing woman from this earth. Betty White graced us with her presence for 99 years, and still it wasn't long enough. So what I've done is cut her episode to just get Betty's story. If you want the full episode, we shared it on all of our socials the day that she passed. And you can also find it on herstoryontherocks.com. It was episode 89. The second thing that happened, though, this week is that my family, Allie's family, has the dreaded Rona. So Katie and I are quarantined from each other for just a little bit. So in lieu of recording on Zoom, which we're really all tired of hearing terrible Zoom sound quality, we figured we'll re-release this Betty episode in a shortened form to honor her life. You can find her cocktail again posted on all of our socials. And then next week, we'll pick up with season 11, where Katie and I surprised each other with two stories that are really, really similar. And again, unplanned. So we can't wait to see you again next week. And uh, I hope you're all healthy and well and do not have uh, COVID-19 like I do. Bye. about her story on the box with Katie and Allie and this is a show where we talk about famous women in history and we talk about good women and bad women and fictional women and non-fictional women from all times and places because women have nuance but just so you know we are drinking the entire time and we're not historians no we're not <laughs> this is why we have dubbed ourselves professional drinkers and amateur historians we have a little bit of common sense and a mm -hmm. lot of alcohol mm -hmm. which is i think the perfect combination <laughs> it is and we do we do do our research but we do it the same place that you do yes the internet youtube wikipedia random articles on jezebel so uh, itunes itunes <laughs> which is we're coming to you from itunes Ooh. uh and then of course just google 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 so uh i am doing betty white this week oh we all know what she looks uh, we, like everyone knows what she looks like she is five four with kind of like puffy whitish slightly curled um blonde hair so it is blonde i always think of it as white but she definitely has blonde hair but it it went white with age yes right yes. yeah mm -hmm. it got lighter with age um she has bright blue eyes, which have a distinct crescent shape when she laughs. She has a petite nose and a perfect smile, which, reach, which reaches out to two cute dimples. And she has been on TV for so long that you see her literally age so gracefully from like a young woman with dark hair to this older, classy, beautiful woman. And... I just feel like everyone knows what she looks like because she's literally been on TV forever. And that's what Betty White looks like. I, I saw this hysterical tweet from her where somebody like posted a picture and they were like, look at how hot Betty White is. And it was like a younger picture. Yeah. And she was just like, thanks, but that's not me. <laughs> it was just another person. So anytime I post about her, I double check that it's actually her. Yes. I get really nervous about it. <laughs> Um, that's super cool. So what are we going to drink in her honor? Because you're first tonight and I'm really yes. excited to hear her story. <laughs> so I call this the thank you for being a cocktail. <laughs> <laughs> so cute. Yeah, sing it. Sing it. Thank you for being a cocktail. Thank you. Um, so it is an ounce of gin, 
um, half ounce of triple sec, half ounce of Aperol, lemon juice, and you top the whole thing off with sparkling rosé in honor of her famous character, Rose Nyland. So cheers. Oh, it's delicious. Mm, That's really good. Very refreshing. Yeah. And it's typically like bubbly rosé by itself is a little like harsh on my mouth. And this, the other liquors just cut that completely. It really does. And also like, so the drink is served on the rocks, which I feel like for champagne cocktails, I normally don't do. Yeah. But I like the taste of like, like slightly watered down, like fizzy drinks. I Mm -hmm. just think it tastes really refreshing. So I wanted to serve this on the rocks um so when you guys guys try it out yes (laughs) just a note Uh, and i garnished it with a white flower in honor of betty white so sweet so what do you know about betty white so i know that betty white has like the longest career on tv in like all of hollywood i think um i know she was in the golden girls i think she was on the mary tyler moore show Mm -hmm. and she has a dirty mouth or is famous for like continuing to make um off-color jokes in her age uh and then um she was like took control of herself and her screen time as a woman like very early she was like one of the first people to do that Mm -hmm. but that's all like i don't know about her personal life i don't i wasn't a big watcher of the golden girls like i've seen it but i wasn't really into it same with the mary tyler moore show like I've, i've seen episodes but it was always like never in like sequential order yeah and i think that's very common for um specifically millennials because i think the golden girls came out in the 80s so we were like a little too young for it right and even like the reruns like we didn't have cable growing up right but i knew her as like a cameo character in a lot of things yes because she is that she is like the queen of sitcoms and she can just turn any scene into something spectacular so even if she's a series regular or a guest spot like she is the person that comes in and turns the entire show around she's perfect incredible so why don't you tell me her a to z Betty White story. Okay. So I got a lot of this from a bio documentary on YouTube and a documentary called Betty White, the first lady of television on Netflix. Ooh. And of course her Wikipedia page. So Betty Marion White was born on January 17th, 1922 in Oak Park, Illinois. This is right outside of Chicago. Her parents, Horace and Tess wanted to name her Elizabeth, but they worried that people will call her Liza or Beth or Betsy. So to make sure people always called her Betty, they just decided to name her Betty. I love when people are <laughs> named a nickname. I do too. It's great. It's so fantastic. And I feel like that's an early indication that like she is not going to like play around with what she wants. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's like, no, my name isn't Betsy. It's not Liza. It is Betty. And that is what I will be called. (laughs) Her parents knew how to raise her. They knew. Oh, my gosh. Her parents are the best. So when she was two years old, her family moved to Los Angeles. So she is a tried and true, like, Hollywood baby. She's an L.A. girl. Mm -hmm. But her parents didn't want her to only know the city. So they spent a ton of time in the great outdoors exploring the mountains of California. Cool. So they would do this thing every summer where they would literally – pack up stuff like three weeks worth of clothes and food they would put it all into donkeys and a guide would take them out to the sierra mountains and they lived without seeing another human for three weeks in the mountains and they did this every summer so betty has been practicing for quarantine all Uh, along yes 
<laughs> she's thriving right now. I mean, she's always thriving, but <laughs> but yeah, she was just raised to love nature, to love animals, and she was like, I learned from a very early age to love animals because those summers in the Sierra Mountains, she was like, you got to see animals in their natural habitat because you were coming to them. It wasn't people bringing them to you. She was like, I saw some insane things. Right. She wasn't in like the San Diego Zoo. <laughs> no, no. And like, like, it's just so wild to me. Yeah. They would just go out and just be in the wilderness for three weeks. And With if they ran dogs. out of food, they ran That's out of great. food. <laughs> I love that. So... Um, while Betty was growing up in the Great Depression, her family didn't have too much money. Uh, her father made radios, and if people couldn't eat, they certainly couldn't, like, splurge on a radio. Um, he also, at some point, installed floodlights, too, which, again, is kind of, um, like, a business, like, upper-class thing. So, like, a lot of his skills couldn't really be accessed or used during the Great Depression. So, um... Instead of accepting payment for his radios that he was making, he would accept dogs um, because his him and his wife and Betty loved animals so much that like a lot of people needed to get rid of their dogs during the Great Depression because they couldn't afford to feed them. And so he would be like, well, I'll give you a radio if you give me your dog. So he's kind of like, he's kind of circumventing the awkward situation of like, I can't afford my dog anymore. And he's doing like, he's doing like two really nice things here. That sounds like a burden on their finances though. Yes, it, it is. Because as Betty says, she goes, radios don't eat, but dogs do. I so need to darling. <laughs> like, seriously. At one point during the great depression, when he's not making any money, they had they 101 had Dalmatians, 26 dogs oh, in their house. My goodness. Call Maria. <laughs> our sister-in-law literally rescues dogs and at one point i'm pretty sure she had 26 dogs in her house yeah as we speak as we speak um and it was a, obviously just like a really wild household to grow up in but even though she was an only child she said she was the happiest kid in town she was like my parents were the funniest people ever they loved me they loved animals she goes actually i think they were kind of disappointed when they had me because they're like eh, she's not as fun as a dog <laughs> She can't walk right away. It just, it's, it's the great, it's the greatest. And she said the worst word to say in her household growing up was bored. She said her parents could not stand for you saying I'm bored, which is how you raise your kids. Yes. And I love that. Only boring people get bored. And her parents would say, well, there's too many things that you'll never get time to do. So bored is not an option. Mm. And if she I might switch up what I say to the yeah. girls. They're tired of hearing what I have to say. And if she wasn't taking care of dogs or gallivanting around the mountains with her family, she was excelling at school. She was always a good student, but everyone could see that her passion was with the theater. And when she graduated after doing many, many school plays and musicals, everyone knew that she was bound for a career in show business. Which is funny because she actually wanted to be a park ranger, but women weren't allowed when she was that when she was young. What a shame. I know. And also like who's like really excels in school and they're like, you know what you'd be good at? Showbiz. <laughs> Isn't that the fallback? I know. It's, like, it's usually like, oh no, you're too smart. Don't go into show business. Be a like, nurse. Be a nurse. Be a, be a doctor. Oh, um, no, not, if she couldn't be a park ranger, was she a doctor? Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, so she couldn't be a park ranger, so she was like, okay, like, I'll go to Hollywood. 
Um, she also considered being a professional opera singer since she had taken opera lessons for quite some time. But she said the only thing holding her back was she didn't quite have the voice for it. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing holding me back from the one qualification you need for this career. And let me say, like, she does have a beautiful singing voice. It's just not, like, professional opera level. Got it. Um, so three months after graduation, in 1939, she made her first TV appearance on a new experimental TV channel. I mean... All TV was experimental at this time. <laughs> yeah, they 39. Had, like, TVs had only existed for 10 years, and this was the first year that national broadcasts existed. Oh. So she wore her graduation dress because it was her best one, and she sang a song from this opera called The Merry Widow. And the broadcast went all the way from the sixth floor of this building to the first floor. That was the reach. For for the, the television station reach was... Negative five floors? Yes. Oh, wow. That's like worse than radio waves. I know. That's like they're experimenting. So she has literally existed on TV since the beginning of TV. I just want to make this clear because I find this fact to be insane. This is like the ahoy hoy on ahoy a telephone. Hoy. Yes. <laughs> she describes wearing dark brown lipstick and heavy pancake makeup just so you could see her face on the screen because, again... This is first TV. Like, it's unbelievable. Stage makeup. (laughs) Stage makeup, exactly. Um, So she, at this time, also did work modeling, and her first professional acting job was at the Bliss Hayden Little Theater. When World War II broke out, however, she put her career on hold and volunteered for the American Women's Volunteer Services. Her assignment included the transportation of military supplies throughout California. Hmm. So she's just driving all over California, which is what she likes to do anyways, and just delivering all sorts of military supplies to different bases. Is she taking a car or a donkey? A car. Okay. But I think she has a spare donkey in the trunk just Just in case. case. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It just makes me think of, um, I've been thinking a lot about my grandparents when doing this. Because they're about the same age. Yeah, because they're about that age. And um, my grandmother... She was so sweet and very, she was very Rosen Island, actually very naive sometimes and like, but very smart. And she would tell this story one time. She goes, you know, we went to the Grand Canyon and the guide told us that if a donkey falls into the Grand Canyon, they never let it carry people up the Grand Canyon ever again because they can't trust it. It's not safe. She didn't get the joke. I was like, oh no, granny. I think like (laughs) they don't let it do that because the donkey's dead (laughs) (laughs) bunny mm, bunny. i feel like i've told that story on here before but i love it so much maybe not but she also moved to california like lickety split who my grandmother yeah why did she move to california didn't she just like oh no that was aunt lowey that's my that was her daughter yeah she was california or bus same thing (laughs) (laughs) Um, she also participated in like events for troops before they were deployed overseas. Um, and it was around this time that she met an airplane pilot named Dick Baker. They married in 1945, but divorced in just six months. Oh, wow. Yeah. And she said it really sucked because it's not a great thing to be divorced in general at this time, but especially not when you're 23. And she said she felt like a huge failure. So is she like feeling like an old maid or is it just the, the era of time or is it? She said she felt like she failed at being a woman. 
of like okay. I can't even be a wife. Like, what is wrong with me? Which I'm, is so sad. That is sad. At 23 years old to feel like I tried for six months and we couldn't make it work. Yeah. But that's how you know she's a real Hollywood girl. Ugh, six months is like a long marriage. <laughs> um, so a few years later, Betty found herself working consistently on the stage and doing lots of radio voice work. Um, but she did a lot of radio voice work because she was getting rejected from film and television roles because they told her that her face was too unphotogenic, which is not, not true, true. At all. She has a beautiful, I feel like her face is a little bit like wide yes. and they were looking for more of that like old Hollywood mm-hmm. sleek and slender look yeah. that you would see on like a, um, Elizabeth Taylor. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but one man felt that her face was just right. A man named Lane Allen. He had been showing up every night and sitting in the front row of the theater to see her perform when she finally accepted his invitation to dinner. He was a talent agent in LA and the two fell head over heels for each other. And after two years, they married in 1947. And it wasn't long after that when she got her first real big break. So there is this well-known L.A. DJ named Al Jarvis, and he had this, like, hit California radio show. Like, everybody knew his name. Everybody was on his show. And when TV started coming around, they're like, you should do your show, but on television. So he goes, fantastic. I'll call it Hollywood on television. (laughs) (laughs) And Betty was hired to be his cute young sidekick. So... She gets this amazing opportunity to be on TV with Al Jarvis, who's like a local legend. Like, people don't really know him across the country right right now, but he knows everyone. And she goes home, and she tells Lane, and Lane is like, um, no, you can't be on television. You have to stay home and raise our children. Nope. And Betty said, look, if I'm going to have a child, I want it to be the number one thing I focus on. But... The number one thing I want to focus on right now is my career. So that's what I'm choosing. And they divorced less than a year after they got married. But they were they were together for two years. I know. And like head over heels. I know. But this is turning into a Ginger Rogers marriage I, story. I thought that. I was like, oh my God, I didn't know that she had been married and divorced so many times. So, but I think it's such a strong move to be like, look, I don't care what you think. Like I'm have an opportunity and I'm going to take it. Well, it's just such the expectation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard yeah. because obviously the woman is the one that has to bear the child, but yeah. doesn't necessarily have to be the one that cares for the child full time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I also, I think that it's such a powerful statement too because like i feel like people assume that people who don't want children hate children and that is not the case she is saying i love children so much that if i had one i would want to give it my full attention yeah and i'm unable to do so i'm I'm not willing to do so so i don't have to do that or also there are like women who do choose to have children and then you know be lawyers and work 80 hours a week and it's like you know what but i make sure that my kid has enough things in place that like they are being taken care of or maybe my husband is a stay-at-home dad Mm -hmm. and it's like that wasn't an option back then she's feeling like i'm getting divorced i'm failing as a woman because i want to choose my career yeah god we're so lucky these days i know also do we have to whisper cuss words i don't know 
<laughs> so that everybody knows, just like last week, we're recording at Katie's parents' house, my in-laws' house, but this time they're here. Yeah. So I think every time we cuss, we should just whisper it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I feel like I'm at a slumber party. Oh um, <laughs> um, so this also proved to be another factor in Betty's life that made her very unconventional. She was twice divorced before 30, and she was choosing not to have children, and she never did have children. Never. Betty White never had any kids? No. Isn't no. that wild? She's like the mother of Hollywood, and she's never had kids because Ugh. she just chose not to. And people just didn't understand she's what She's like was Abraham Sarah. <laughs> she's the mother of all the Hebrew people, oh, right? I was so going like to say, Betty I thought she White was barren. Like, yeah, she was. Okay. But then um, God gave her children. But okay. The, the point is, she's the mother of, yes, all of the Hollywood. Yes, she really is. Um, and, but yeah, but people were just like, what is going on with her? They didn't understand. Um, but she pressed on because she had a show to do. Hollywood on television would soon consume her life because shows were very different from what they are now. They were variety shows and it was unscripted and the show was on six days a week and it ran for five and a half hours every day. That's like working on Broadway. And again, it was live. Like, most Broadway shows, I feel like, are about, like, two hours, would you say? Two, two and a half. Two, maybe two and a half. maybe three maybe if you're, like, in three. cursed child realm. Yeah. But, like, so she is doing basically two to two and a half Broadway shows a day without a script. These are all live with unscripted, like, they have little skits and stuff that they do. But it's mainly just riffing. How fun would it be to be like, I'm going to be a model and then be like, oh, I'm funny to find yes. out you're funny. I know. I wish I could find that out. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, too, there's no like cutting to commercial right now. So they would literally the commercials were then Betty going. And now a word from one of our sponsors. Have you ever tried this cough syrup? So she's reading the commercials. Yes. She's like a radio disc jockey. Yes, because that's all they knew how to do. All they had was radio. So they said, well, we'll just put radio on TV. And she said in the beginning, they would just literally like they, her and Al Jarvis would be like, and here's a new single from, you know, Al and the Suggins gang. And like they'd play a record on television. <laughs> And like sit there and smile. Yeah. Like when the like when the sound goes off and the newscasters are looking at each yep. other. Like oh Will gosh. Ferrell and Christina Applegate. That's exactly <laughs> it. So I love Christina Applegate. I mean sidebar. Me too. Um, but Betty was like, I can still go a little bit longer. So she and Elle also hosted a one hour nighttime show each night doing sketches and songs. So she was on TV for Six and a half hours a day. Live. <laughs> Live. <laughs> and as the 50s started to come to, to life, so did her popularity. People in Los Angeles loved her. And as television sets became more common in households around the country, so did she. Uh, can you imagine, though, like the same person on TV for like six hours a day and you can't choose anything else to watch? That's like Big Brother <laughs> from 1984. <laughs> You're like, oh, yeah, Betty White, of course. <laughs> That's insane. She's the president, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I wish. <laughs> she also went. She'd from, do better. <laughs> she would. <laughs> she also went from making $50 a week to making $300 a week during this time, which is about 
$3,200 a week in today's money. Betty. Betty's making bank. So she's also one of the earliest examples of a television star because there weren't television stars because they didn't exist. There were movie stars. There were movie stars. But she's a TV star. And then she... And what year is this? Because I feel like Wizard of Oz and Gone with the Wind came out in like the 1930s. Yeah. So this This is is the 40s. Oh, this is the 50s. So we've jumped now. Yeah. So so she started on this in like the late... I think 1949 was when um, Hollywood and television... Interesting. ...was was going on. And then... But it's also still like local TV, and it's going to end up being like national eventually. Okay. Mm -hmm. So uh, she was also one of the earliest examples of a television star that then became a spinoff, or television show that became a spinoff TV show. So her and Jarvis turned one of their popular sketches into a sitcom called life with elizabeth which is so ironic because, because she, her name wasn't elizabeth <laughs> her name wasn't elizabeth but um where she was not only the star but she was a producer she was a producer of her own tv show making her one of the first t- female tv producers in hollywood and a year after this she won an emmy for her show and she became the full-time host of hollywood on television so she has this sitcom. She's also now the full-time host replacing Jarvis on this show. Wait, an, wait. She won an Emmy. And the Emmys were then. They, uh, they yeah, were there. Apparently. I probably should have put some dates on here. I mean, but, TV's yeah. brand new. And they're like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We let's, should have awards let's, for this. Let's make sure. Yeah, but participation trophies are our fault, right? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, the Oscars aren't going to suck. Wait, Wait, what's the movie? (laughs) No, like I was going to say they weren't going to suck in television. Um, So what's the the movies are the silver screen. So they were like, we're not going to let in this uh, honorable mention. Yeah, we're going to make a whole new award. (laughs) Um, So (laughs) it wasn't long before she became the host of her very own daytime variety show, The Betty White Show. So The Betty White Show... And this is not a stage name. This is like her real name. This is her real name. Her name. And this show was so adorable, but it actually got into a lot of controversy because Betty frequently had this young dancer and singer featured on her show named Arthur Duncan. And when her show went national, because this is around that time again where people like the number of TVs and house, households like skyrocketed during this time. Growing and exponentially. now you can get TV from California in your home in Mississippi. Right. But then when the houses in Mississippi are watching the Betty White show and they're seeing a black man, Arthur Duncan, singing and dancing on her TV show. Like, no way. They are saying absolutely not. And they boycotted her show all across the South interesting so it's like the west they were like comfortable yeah because she's in california not a slave state like originally and i know we're not in the time of slavery but then it's like you know the bible belt is like get out of here with that yeah and they boycotted her show and betsy was like i don't care like he's my friend he's talented and i'm a producer so like fuck off (laughs) fuck off Penny's telling on us right now. My parents' dogs. Uh, Katie's parents' dog just came in and she (laughs) then left when we cussed and she's going to tell your parents. So these shows that she was on went on for a few years in the 50s, but then when the 60s came around, she was about to embark on a new, exciting television journey. Game 
game shows. Oh, doesn't she have multiple Emmys for like being the best game show host ever? Pretty much. Okay. So Betty was a literal tour de force on game shows. I use that phrase all the time, and I don't even know if I'm using it correctly. Tour de force? Isn't I it just, tour de France? I love it. <laughs> I think that's adorable. I love it. So it's great. She was smart enough to win them on occasion, but she was funny and witty enough to make her just an absolute delight to watch. So wait, she went on game shows? She was the celebrity guest host because okay. that was how people... I see. Like, game shows on their own with just normal people were not interesting. So they were like, okay, well, like, every game show basically has celebrities on it to bring people in. And Betty White was, like, the number one, like, celebrity guest star I mean, she was a game proof show. that America's Got Talent. She really is. <laughs> <laughs> because, again, like, not only because she said, like, her parents and her, like, played games all the time because they were in the middle of the Sierra Mountains and they had nothing else to do. So she was really, really good at games and she was very competitive. But she, again, was so smart and funny and witty that anything you threw at her, she could immediately, like, yes and, and, like, turn it into a really funny joke. It was like she had been training for improv. It really was. But she didn't even know it. Didn't even know it. It didn't yeah. even have, like, a name yet. Especially because at this time, again, like, she's the celebrity guest star, so she's just being herself on all of these shows. And Betty White is just so darn delightful that herself is enough. And I'm obsessed with her. So... She even had her own game show at one point called Just Men. I <laughs> don't know what you can't it was bring about. this. You can't make this up. I you can't make it up. So she starts making the rounds on this popular new television phenomena. But there was one show that was her absolute favorite. It was Password, which then turned into like what was it like million dollar pyramid or oh, thousand yeah. dollar pyramid? Yes. <laughs> From friends. <laughs> And if you don't know what this show is, I highly recommend the secret word with Mindy sketches from SNL with Kristen Wiig and Bill Hader. They are so funny. Um, But she loved the show. She was really, really good at it. But the real reason she kept coming back was the host, Alan Luddig. Alan really liked Betty and Betty really liked Alan. But when they first met, Alan's wife had just died from brain cancer. Oh, and what a shame. I know. And she was also dating someone else. So it was not like the best time for them to meet, but they just had this immediate connection. So they spent a lot of time together and like on and off because she was in California. He was in New York. But then they did a play together in Nantucket, like for one whole summer. And... Basically, they realized while they were together on this beautiful summer vacation in in Nantucket that something really special was going on. So in 1962, he proposed to Betty, but she refused. And she actually got really angry with him for asking because she was like, look, you know that I am super hurt from the fact that my first two marriages fell apart before I was 30. Yeah. And I don't really trust men right now. And I just, I, I can't, I can't be married. So he didn't want to give up. So every time he would see her, instead of hello, he would say, Ahoy, hoy. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> but he would say, will you marry me? So she'd be like, hey, Alan, hey, will you marry me? And she's like, no. <laughs> Stop it. Every single time. And then he wore the ring 
that he proposed to her with on a chain around his neck for a year. So every time they would hang out, he would have the ring around his neck ready to go. I have a question. Mm-hmm. Where is the fine line between no means no and romantic? I don't know. I can't find it. You especially can't find it around this time. Yes. Because I think it would be different, too, if they didn't continue their relationship. Because they still had a relationship going on. She just didn't want to get married. But, yeah. Which is like... Because I think this is adorable, what he's doing. But I would also, if it made me uncomfortable... Yes. It doesn't seem to be making Betty uncomfortable. Yeah, it, it isn't. And I thought about that a lot, too. Because if we put it into a different time context, is it creepy? Yes. Like... Or a person who's not, like, um, reciprocating. Yeah. Then it's very creepy. And it also feels very, like, pressuring, you know? Like, but, again, like, the way the story turns out, you realize that it wasn't that. Like, he just wanted to, you know, show her how dedicated he was. Yeah. And so... It was an entire year of, will you marry me? I have this ring around my neck. And then the story goes that after a year of this all going on and she realized, she's like, I'm being so stupid and I'm wasting all this precious time with him. And so she called him up and instead of saying hello, she just said yes. Listen, that's adorable. But she learned that from her parents. Yes. I'm wasting all this time. Like, you're never yeah. going to have enough you're time never to do anything. Exactly. To do everything. So just do it. Yes. So, also, don't marry someone you don't want to marry. She wanted to marry him. That's the, that was, and I think that's what makes this story different, too, is she wanted to marry him and be with him, but she was like, I, I feel like in her mind, she maybe had this, like, resistance of, like, marriage means it's going to end. Which is really a sad mindset to have. It's scary. And a lot of women and men go through that. Yeah, they do. So um, they married in 1963 and she became a stepmother to his three teenage children. And he became a stepfather to her two poodles. (laughs) He had never... She would have two poodles. (laughs) I know. Where are her 26 dogs? Where have they they gone? (laughs) Oh, where? Oh, where? So... um, He had never really been an animal person, but when Betty brought dogs into his life, he was overjoyed. And he was like, oh, I understand now why you're so into animals. Because while she's doing all this, she is continuously rescuing animals. (laughs) My gosh, a dog just barked. (laughs) Penny was making sure we knew. (laughs) Um, So, and... So she brings dogs into his life, and he's like, oh my gosh, these are amazing. I love this. And he goes, okay... I am going to really make your dreams come true. Let's produce a show all about animals. So Steve they, Irwin? <laughs> pretty much. It was like the original Steve Irwin. I mean, rest in I peace. I like kicking this box. Listen. Um, so they produced a show called The Pet Set where Betty would have celebrities <laughs> and their pets on. It was basically like a regular talk show, but with pets. And it sounds amazing. I would love to like meet Sandra Bullock's like cats i feel like jimmy fallon could do this he absolutely can we just like can we send him a note yes (laughs) a note for you (laughs) um 
<laughs> and but the thing about her show was that she would also talk about serious topics like the health of your pets and diseases to look out for in different breeds. And she was like, hey, like if you have a great Pyrenees and you live in California, you should really reconsider having a great Pyrenees because they get too hot. And she's like, and then, you know, St. Bernard's like heart disease run, ran, runs rampant. So you should, you know, do this when you're feeding your dog. And like just it, it was a real game changer because back in those days it was like, yeah, you get a family dog, but that's it. She's the original, like, Bob Barker, like, spay and neuter your pets. Like, this is important. Yes. And she is telling people pets are just as important as, like, you know, if you're going to bring a pet into your home, don't just treat it like like a pair of shoes. Like, you know, you treat it like a child. You know what I'm saying? Pets like like sleeping on a couch, (laughs) not on a chain. (laughs) Exactly. And so she was a really early advocate of, like, if you're going to bring a pet into your home, like, treat it well. Don't treat it like garbage. So, um, unfortunately the show only lasted a year, um, but pet set gone <laughs> pet set. But of course, another opportunity came a knocking when a good friend of her husband's Mary Tyler Moore had a guest character spot on her show who Betty could play perfectly. The man hungry Sue Ann Nevins was only supposed to be in one episode, but Betty was so lovely and charming and devastatingly funny that they had to keep her on. I mean, in the episode, she literally breaks up one of the main characters' marriages. She, like, seduces her husband, and they break up. And she was supposed to be this hated villain, but people couldn't hate her. I love that. I know. She couldn't get that Angelina Jolie vibe. She couldn't. No. She was rocking (laughs) towards it, but everybody was like, no, we're Team Betty. Exactly. And as Mary Tyler Moore said, she just stole the heart of the show. And she even, like, they made her a regular recurring character. And she immediately won an Emmy for Outstanding Supporting Actress. Of course. Of course. But after seven years of the show, um, and she came on in season four. So she'd only been on for about three years. Mm -hmm. But um, Mary Tyler Moore decided to end the show. It was still extremely popular. But she had the vision to say, I don't want the show to end on a bad note. I want it to end while people still like it. Which is still a problem. It's still a problem. The British have it down, though. They really do. They're like, you get two. Two seasons. Do what you will. Sherlock, you love it? Too bad. Gone. Benedict Cumberbatch? He's ours now. Yep. We took him. (laughs) I don't even know. He was on Sherlock, right? Am I wrong? Uh, Yes, he was. (laughs) Okay. Um, Wait, though. Whenever you hear Mary Tyler Moore, do you immediately sing that Weezer song in your head? I do. What song? I mean, ooh, you look just like Betty Holly. Uh, uh, and I'm Mary Tyler Moore. Oh, I forgot she's the second verse. Yes. I, every single time, that's what I sing. And I shouldn't, but that's the millennial version of Mary Tyler Moore. It's Twilight Bark. Should we close the door? I feel like this is all we got. Okay, you're right. There's a dog barking and everything's fine. Guys, we're not in a studio um, right now. <laughs> this is real life. We will be in a week, but... Yeah. Well, not next no, week. No, no, no. But... Next week, well, okay. We're recording on a Monday. This episode's coming out Thursday. We're also recording on Thursday. So the next two episodes you hear are going to be unsanctioned. Dogs and children everywhere. And it's okay. It's all right. I've heard very famous podcasts end up with, like, dogs scratching in the background. And it's all right. Absolutely. I'm calling this No Cut Monday. I love it. (laughs) We're not not cutting anything. I'm not cutting anything. I'm busy. (laughs) I'm too busy. Um, so. Busy as a bee. <laughs> but I really do think that this was a visionary move of like, 
And again, a really cool move on the part of like female producers to be like, yeah, I'm going to end this show on my terms, not on someone else's terms. I love it. You're not being canceled. You're retiring. Mm -hmm. That's exactly it. And I will say like, I got to like in these documentaries I was watching, watch the last scene of the Mary Tyler Moore show. And it was like really emotional because all these people have been together for seven years and they truly loved working with each other. And they were talking about how, like, even, like, Betty White, who hadn't been there for the whole time, but had become just as much a part of the cast, like, they're all, like, hugging at the end. And one of the guys was like, we weren't our characters. He was like, we were just us, like, saying goodbye to each other because we didn't want to quit, but we knew it was the right thing to do. I just, mm. I'm, like, tearing up thinking about it. Which is a show I didn't even watch. And I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> <That's so sad. laughs> the memories. Um, I also now just always think of um, when when the Friends ended. Oh my God. And, and it, it was around like, and it's on their keys. It's, oh my gosh. It's like a really emotional time. And they filmed the last scene and everybody's hugging and crying. And Paul Rudd. <laughs> <laughs> He'd only been on the show for like a season. Mike Hannigan, you mean? Was just going around and he goes, "What a ride!" <laughs> <laughs> and people are like, "No!" And he, <laughs> I mean, th- that '70s show did it the best. I did you see the finale? No. They're counting down to midnight in 1979, and mom pops champagne, and they're like, 10, 9, 8, 7. You know, they're counting yeah. down, and then they get to one, and it goes to black. Ooh. Because it's not the 1970s oh anymore. That's really sad. Doesn't that break your heart? Yes, it There's does. Nothing. No time for crying. Can't be that 70s. So. <laughs> no crying here. We're busy. <laughs> so, from the end of this came a lot of spinoffs for the actors and the characters. Um, but her show that she span off like did not do so hot. I think it was also called the Betty White Show. <laughs> um, and it just like didn't really work. And so now. She's in her 50s, and she doesn't have a show. But, of course, the best kinds of friends are celebrities. So she was able to consistently appear on programs such as the Carol Burnett show, which she absolutely loved. Her and Carol Burnett were very good friends. Carol Burnett is a treat. And a treasure. Um, (laughs) And whenever she was on... She would, like, call, like, Carol and the other stars, and she'd be like, oh, my gosh, we get to play together next week. I'm so excited. Like, it wasn't work for her. It she was a play date. loved it. Um, she was, she's hanging out. She's doing, like, bits on Carol Burnett show, Johnny Carson show, and, of course, game shows. But in 1981, her beloved husband was diagnosed with stomach cancer. No. Yeah. Betty was... I mean, just heartbroken because it was very quick and very terminal. He passed away in June of 1981. So he only had six months before, like, we think. Like, I don't even know when he was officially diagnosed, but it was only a couple of months. Wow, what a shame. When it happens that quick, there's not a lot of time to uh, wrap things up. There's just not. And Betty was just devastated. I mean, she has never been with another man since. And when Larry King asked her why she never moved on and remarried, she said, well, once you've had the best, who needs the rest? Oh. Which also makes me want to cry. <laughs> this is so emotional. Is it really? I was crying a lot, which is why I was so late. Betty. <laughs> um, <laughs> I wish my eyes were too blurry to finish typing. 
Um, but of course, dear Betty, instead of grieving through herself more into her work, she started appearing in Carol Burnett's new sitcom, Mama's House, and she became really involved with various animal, animal charities, and she wrote a book about animals. Um, Mama's House only lasted two years, um, and the tabloids were like, well, that's it. I mean, Betty's over. She's in her 60s now. Like Girls was, can't do it. That was her last... They literally were saying, like, that was her last shot. I guess she's done. Listen, Meryl Streep will tell you different. Yep. So, Betty White. <laughs> but in 1985, she came back into the spotlight with one of her most iconic TV roles, show roles of all time, Rose Island in Golden Girls. I mean, how can you not? How can... I mean... Mm. When the show was first pitched, people had no hope in it. They said, what in the world are people going to do with a show about four old women? <laughs> and I bet they feel really dumb. So they start the casting process. That's what my mama said about the Ninja Turtles. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> the infamous doubt of Peg Bane and the what Ninja Turtles. What are they going to do about these four mutant turtle ninjas? <laughs> That's like so funny to me because it's like, what can't they do with four teenage mutant Ninja Turtles? <laughs> she was not having it. So got to prove people wrong sometimes. <laughs> so they start the casting process and Betty was originally cast in the role of Blanche and Rue as no, Rose. No, she wasn't. Mm-hmm. But after a little bit, the producers called the two actresses in and they said, we're going to try something out. Can you do the scenes as each other's characters? Can you flip characters? And it absolutely worked. It got better. It got way better. Betty was a little reluctant at first because Rose was written at first with the weakest personality. She's like a side character. Yeah, and she was very broad. There was no clear definition of who she was and what made her have, like, a purpose. But, of course, Betty would discover her, I love this, quote, terminal naivety. Mm -hmm. And she would make Rose into something beautiful. And, frankly... The whole show is something beautiful. It totally rocked the industry by showing how important, talented, and funny older women can be. Because there's no place for women of their age to be stars in a TV show. And how much people wanted to watch it. Yes. I mean, there was just no other place for them to be. And, like, no other place for them to have romantic storylines and raunchy jokes and... It was just absolutely groundbreaking, and it was a real middle finger to the industry that said you can either play someone's grandmother or be out of work, which was what it was. And I honestly, frankly, think it still is. Yeah. Like, the Golden Girls was something that was, I don't know if it could happen again. I think people have tried, but it was so good, and every actor in it was so good. It has to be right. Yeah, it has to be right. And it really was. And... One of my favorite headlines from <laughs> when the show became a runaway hit was Sex and the Senior Girls, NBC's Golden Girls are the toast of TV with their midlife Miami Spice. <laughs> Ooh, I love it when you read an ad. Thank you. In 1986, she won an Emmy for Best Actress in a Comedy Series. And for the rest of the show's run, she would be nominated every year. And every one of them would eventually win an Emmy for this show. The show ran for seven seasons until B. Arthur, who played Dorothy, left the show. The three remaining gals tried to continue the show um, in a kind of a spin-off called Golden Palace, but 
Didn't work out. It didn't work. And Betty spent the rest of the 90s in various other sitcoms, um, but she really started to spend more and more time helping animals. And in 1997, she turned down a role in the movie As Good As It Gets because she didn't like the way that a dog was being treated in the movie. She took it very seriously. She has adopted dozens and dozens of abandoned or injured pets over the years, and she's raised an unbelievable amount of money for research for animal vaccines and animal rescues. I had no idea about this with Betty White. It's the thing that no one knows about her, and it's the most important aspect of her life. Like, if you were to ask her what she is, she'd be like, I'm an animal activist. Well, and she doesn't say activist. She says advocate. (sighs) She said, I want to work on behalf of animals. I want them to have better lives in any way I like they can. And she's amazing. Um, And since 1970, she has been on the board of the Los Angeles zoo. And for years as Christmas gifts to her friends and family, she would donate seeing eye dogs to blind people who needed them, but couldn't afford them. She's great. I mean, I had no idea. I, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah. It's amazing. She is also a supporter of gay rights, having a very close friendship with Liberace. And she said that if a couple has been together all that time, and I mean, there are gay relationships that are more solid than some heterosexual ones. I think it's fine if they want to get married. I don't know how people can get so anti something. Mind your own business, take care of your affairs, and don't worry about other people so much. Mind your own damn business. Mind your own business. I'll get behind that first and, half. Yeah. <laughs> and in the last two decades, she has been in multiple high-budget movies. She has guest-starting countless TV shows. And to many people's surprise, took a starring role on a soap opera, which many people see as like a huge step down. But I think she just honestly loves to work and thought it was a good opportunity. There's no such thing as selling out anymore. No. And... And in the early 2000s, her agent decided to take her career in a different direction. And he was like, all right, Betty's going to be pop culture now. We're going to make her like really like a pop culture legend. They RBG'd her. They did. And in 2006, she appeared in the roast of William Shatner and, and the iconic Snickers Super Bowl commercial. And it really signified a turning point where people were like, Okay, I thought she was just like a classic of TV, like Andy Griffith or whatever, and but now she's she's making jokes at me. I mean, literally, hangry is because of her. It is. It absolutely that is. commercial was sold because we were like, oh, he's acting like Betty White because he hasn't had yeah. enough food, and the whole and like, and it's so perfect because the whole joke is like Betty White is actually in this commercial, like in the mud, getting like, tackled <laughs> in the mud, <laughs> like with stupid boys. <sighs> It's just, it's so great. I repeat, stupid boys. Stupid boys. <laughs> um, I, I like boys. <laughs> um, and she just also had this renaissance on late night television shows. And she started to become this thing that, like this cultural touchstone that no matter how old you were, you could be like, yes, Betty White. And then in 2010, she became the oldest SNL host at the age of 88 with musical guest Jay-Z. Oh, my God. All because of a Facebook post by a kid in, like, Texas or something. He was like, why isn't Betty White hosted SNL? Yeah. He posted a thing that was like, 
hey, we should start a petition to get Betty White to host SNL. And it went completely viral. And in her opening monologue, she goes, well, I guess I have to thank Facebook, even (laughs) though I think there are better things to do with your time. (laughs) (laughs) And it was also like, I didn't realize how crucial this episode was because it was also a Mother's Day special. So they brought back tons of classic SNL cast members. So like Molly O'Shannon was there, Tina Fey, Amy Poehler all came to play with Betty White. How could you not, though? How could you not? If you're, like, going to be with one of the most famous female yeah. comedians of all time. I mean, it's, it's not best. Lucille Ball, but it's yeah. Betty White. Mm-hmm. Uh, her and Lucille Ball are also very good friends. And I was going to ask you that at the end. Yes. Because we're, she's been requested for our season seven. Yes. So we're going to do her, but it's like, damn. The two of them are Tour de forces. <laughs> tour, tour de forces, as I like to say. There's an accent <laughs> over the E and the S. It's confusing. Very confusing. Um, but yeah, they had been friends for years and years because they were like the only two like female producers in Hollywood They're for a bit. They were alone. They were alone together. And they were like, wow, isn't it wild being two women in comedy and like being around all these men and like them not listening to you? And like... How fun. How fun. Um, so then uh, in 2010, she started on the show Hot in Cleveland. And a year <laughs> that later. That was a cute show. Very cute show. Um, and a year later, she published her book, If You Ask Me, which she won a Grammy for the um, for the audiobook. <laughs> In 2018, PBS made a documentary about her life. Um, She doesn't need any more Grammys. No, she doesn't. Uh, She doesn't need any more Emmys. (laughs) She has enough. She's 100 Grammys. Um, So uh, it's called Betty White, the First Lady in Television, which is currently on Netflix, and that's how I watched it. It's so great. And most recently, she voiced a character in Toy Story 4. It was a tiger named Bitey White, which, Mm -hmm. of course, is a joke on her name. She is known as the mayor of Hollywood, but Betty says, as fun as acting is, she acts so she can fund her work with animals. That's really sweet. It's really sweet. And again... Is Betty White a nonprofit in herself? No, she... And this is the thing, too. It's all so, like, selfless in a way that she's never, like, created her own. She's like, no, they already exist. It doesn't need my name on it. Oh, cute. I am just going to continually support the organizations that are doing the best work. Love that. I love her. Um, and yeah, she's played a crucial part in the sex, the success of countless animal charities and organizations. And like, it's just incredible. Um, she is currently 98 years old and she spends her time playing ruthless games of Scrabble and other games with her old Hollywood friends. And, she still makes the rounds on late night TV shows, making people laugh on television like she has for the past 80 years. And that's the story so far of Betty White. I am blown away by her. I know. Well, that's the thing too. Like I wanted to talk more about her like animal activism, but like, again, like she is just supporting all the things kind of like on the lowdown. Like it's like, it's the most important thing to her, but she knows that like her way of making money is like making people like laugh and like not being animal advocate Betty White, but being comedian Betty White. I didn't even know the animal activist thing about yeah, her. I didn't either. I had no idea. But I almost think that it's like a really good way to do it of like look at how I live my life, not what I tell you about my life. You know what I'm saying? Like 
Do you know what I also love? Mm-hmm. I think in the last couple of seasons, we've done um, several older women, and we have been asked to, within the next couple of months, be on um, the Hot Flashes podcast. Yes. And I'm just thinking about Dr. Ruth and I thought about her so much. Yeah. And, and obviously Betty White. I I was just thinking about these women that are like cornerstones of like women that we look to. Mm -hmm. And I was just blown away by it because when this podcast asked us to come on, I was like, absolutely. And they're like, we want you to talk about women like post 40 or 50. Yeah. And it was like, well, we have that. Oh, I mean, we have lots of that, but it's it's also like, I I need to go back and like scour like people like Yoko Ono who like like Jocelyn Bell Burnell. Right. They keep going. Yeah. And it's like, we start with these women so young and then it's like, they age excellently with their accomplishments. Well, that's what I think is so interesting about Betty White is that we only know her as old Betty White. We do. We do, but she's been on TV literally since the beginning so like there are some people that know her as like oh yeah from like the elizabeth life with elizabeth like she's literally the longest running yep. television actor of all time yeah and suck no, it regis no but yes <laughs> just kidding in I, your deathbed <laughs> as everyone learned on the uh gal gab episode i'm obsessed with him but yeah we all love Re- if you didn't listen to gal gab you really it's should. worth it it's very worth it <laughs> listening to her story on the rocks we are independently produced by 1986 entertainment and proudly recorded in baltimore maryland if there's a woman in history you would like us to cover you can email us at herstoryontherocks at gmail.com you can also message us on twitter or instagram we post all of our cocktail recipes on tuesdays so that you can go get all the supplies you need and drink along with us see you next week bye